This Marketplace podcast is supported by Harvest, painless time tracking for creative professionals and teams worldwide. Harvest tracks billable time from anywhere. Create invoices in seconds and build powerful reports to help keep projects on budget. More at GetHarvest.com. Marketplace is produced in association with the University of Southern California. Jury duty is your civic duty as an American. When you report for service, you never know what kind of case you'll get. Maybe it'll be Lindsay Lohan or Casey Anthony, or maybe it'll be a huge patent law case filled with technical jargon, 20 pages of jury forms, and billions of dollars riding on the verdict. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. Investing, renting, sending your kid to college? Listen to the Marketplace Money Podcast. Find it on iTunes or at marketplace.org slash podcasts. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Tess Viglund in for Kai Rizdal, and this is your Marketplace Podcast for Tuesday, the 21st day of August. After weeks of juicy testimony, assuming you call patent law juicy, Silicon Valley's trial of the century, or of the moment anyway, is about to head to the jury. Apple is suing Samsung for allegedly copying the design of its iPhone and iPads. Samsung is suing Apple back for allegedly infringing on its mobile patents. So why should we care who wins this $2.5 billion battle? Here's Marketplace's Queena Kim. Like most patent trials, even the simplest questions in Apple versus Samsung are complicated. Take this one. How will the verdict affect consumers? Cal Rustiala is a law professor at UCLA and the author of The Knockoff Economy. There's a lot of different claims, and winning and losing can go in different directions. Rustiala doesn't see a winner-take-all scenario. But he says, let's assume the jury finds that Samsung copied the rectangular-shaped and curved edges of the iPad and iPhone. That verdict would force competitors to change the shape of their products. We might see some crazy designs. But if consumers demand a rectangular shape, Apple could levy a licensing fee to every manufacturer who wants to meet that demand. And who will pay those fees? Sarah Rotman-Epps is an analyst at Forrester. Those costs will trickle down to consumers. And if Samsung wins its patent claims, well then, Samsung could charge Apple a fee for using its patents for wireless technology and camera phones. Rotman-Epps adds that if Samsung wins, we'll see even more products copying Apple. And that's prompted concerns that a Samsung victory could stifle innovation. But James Allworth, who writes about innovation at the Harvard Business Review, isn't buying it. The assumption that a lot of people have is that without patent protection, companies will not invest in them. But Apple became the most valuable company in the world yesterday. And Allworth says even if copycats flood the market, Apple will just innovate faster. I'm Queenie Kim for Marketplace. If you own an Apple product, you might be interested in knowing how Apple's supply chain is doing. Six months ago, the Fair Labor Association, a group hired by Apple, found a number of problems with Chinese iPhone and iPad maker Foxconn. Those issues included too much overtime, unsafe working conditions, and more. Today, the Fair Labor Association released an update on whether Foxconn is complying with a series of recommendations it made. Our China correspondent Rob Schmitz has the latest. Foxconn is at the top of the manufacturing pyramid. The company's very good at getting things done, pushed, of course, by profit. But how good has Foxconn been at implementing hundreds of action items to improve conditions for its workers? Arad von Heerden is president and CEO of the Fair Labor Association. He routinely visits Foxconn factories for an ongoing audit of the company's work practices. 
frankly, the, the speed with which they've implemented this program is, is really precedent-setting. He says the company has made changes to its factories, improving worker health and safety, modifying equipment, and giving more breaks. Back in February, Van Heerden discovered that only 1% of Foxconn's workers were enrolled in the government's unemployment insurance program. That's because migrant workers can't claim these benefits in their home province. Van Heerden says Foxconn persuaded the city government of Shenzhen, where the company's biggest factory is, to change this policy. Millions of migrant workers in Shenzhen will, will now benefit from that, uh, that new access and, and I think will be a template uh, for, for other provinces to follow. But not everyone's convinced. China Labor Bulletin's Jeffrey Crothel advocates for factory workers. It's very encouraging that Foxconn is on board and following through with what the FLA has asked it to do. But, you know, I always judge things on how they appear in practice.